Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And welcome to Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season one, episode 20 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Blood Brothers. Accurate name. A lot of brother insight. Very blood centric. Just a really great name. Tells us exactly what we need to know. So as always, we're going to read the Vampire Diaries wiki synopsis of this episode. While Stefan struggles to come to terms with his past, both he and Damon reveal parts of their history to Elena until she finally learns the truth about how they became vampires. Pearl has an ugly confrontation with John Gilbert. Damon and Alaric try to find a mysterious invention before John does. I mean, they found it. Damon already has it, but whatever. But the information, I The guess. friendship and flirtation between Jeremy and Anna continues to grow. I thought I was going to say the friendship and flirtation between Damon and Alaric. And I was like, oh, you guys are going to call that flirting? Love. Yeah, you know what? In a way, it is. I want to open with Stephanie. In our off time this week, you were thinking of theories and you came up with a theory about Uncle John I'd like you to share with the audience. So, yeah, I have been thinking about Uncle John and his relationship with Isabel that clearly exists. He's clearly very involved and has all these ulterior motives for things. And so I became convinced that he is Elena's father. He and Isabel made Miss Elena. And so she's still kind of a Gilbert. On a scale of one to 10, how sure are you that this is true? I would say 6.5. Okay. Talk me through your big points that make this seem likely to you. Uncle John has very much a connection to Isabel that is, you know, is confirmed. He's the one who sent Isabel to Damon. So he knew Isabel pre-transition. Also just because I'm trying to understand why Isabel would have ended up at Grayson's medical practice. Like there are a lot of OBGYNs and probably easier ones to get to. So just kind of a couple thoughts. I mostly just think that Uncle John is a big character and I've been generally grasping at straws of who the father is because someone's the father. Do you have any other theories about who the father might be? If it's not Uncle John, I don't think we've met him yet. Interesting. Okay, let me throw this out there. I'm not telling you this is true or not, but it's just something I want you to consider. Have you considered the fact that maybe Grayson is really Elena's dad? And that's the reason Isabel went to that gynecologist because he had a vested interest in that baby? That's a great point. Um, I haven't. I would like to believe that Grayson wasn't, you know, sleeping with a teenager, but the Gilbert men have not been... Our best. The Gilbert men are not known for their kindness to women, except for Jeremy. Except for Jeremy so far. But I do think that's an interesting point, you know, because I hear like Elena's adopted. I'm like, well, both their parents are definitely out then. Like, that's not necessarily true. So this my point is that your biggest reason that you think John is the father is the connection to Grayson Gilbert's medical office. I think that and his ongoing connection to Isabel. Sure. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, our little off time theories, let's jump right into the episode. We check in with Stefan, who we last left in the dungeon in the basement of the Salvatore house. He's still there, still looking not too good. Yeah, looking like he's been in a dungeon for a few days. <laughs> yeah, and in his, like, weakened state, he's having flashbacks to, when else, 1864. <laughs> Jonathan Gilbert et al. are putting vampires in a carriage, locking them up, muzzling them, you know, doing the whole thing. And Stefan and Damon are, like, watching from a bush. And Stefan's like, okay, I'm going to distract them. Damon, you go get Catherine. As soon as he said it, it's a foolish plan. 
I'll say this, you know, I was like, how is he going to distract these people? And he was like, there's another one over here, which was great. Don't run right back. Let Damon take care of Catherine. But hindsight's 2020. That was his flaw is that he circled back too fast. They said, okay, he just told us there was another vampire. And then he ran back to the carriage. So the whole crew runs off, except like one guard man by the carriage. Of course, Damon beats him up. Stefan comes back. They pull Catherine out of the carriage and start like taking off her muzzle, untying her hands. And she's pretty weak still from the Vervain. Yeah, from the Vervain and the drama of it all. Now, this is another thing I would have done differently if I was Stefan and Damon. I would carry her behind the cover of some trees before I commenced with this. Like, it is nighttime. You don't need to go that deep into the woods. Yeah, and you're right in front of the carriage. Like, if anyone is going to come back, they're going to find you immediately. Someone could have seen it and been like, three vampires just got out. Yeah. And shot them willy-nilly. Yeah, and so the crowd circles back, obviously, because they can't find the other vampire that Stefan made up. And pretty much immediately they shoot Damon and he dies. Yeah, a real just straight up quick shot to Damon and he like quick. Yeah, and Stefan's like, okay, well, I'm going to grab a gun. He grabs a gun. He doesn't even get it up in the air before they shoot him and he also starts to die. You got to love that he's, you know, doubling down in this situation. But this wasn't going to work, you poor sweet boy. You know, it's interesting because obviously we know Damon and Stefan are here and are vampires. And so Damon dying that fast, you're like, I drew the conclusion very quickly. He has vampire blood in his system. So I followed that logic to believe like he's been prepping to get turned. Like he's ready for that. I mean, he's been talking about it in previous episodes. He's like, I can't wait to be a vampire. I would never snitch on you guys. And so it's pretty clear that he's like ready, ready. Yeah. Damon wasn't running from the gunshots. Let's say that. Yeah. Whereas Stefan, you don't get the sense that he has that thought process at all. Because he's like looking at Catherine as she's like breathing and he's like dying and he's overwhelmed by the whole situation as we would all be. Yeah. So Stefan's laying on the ground. He's looking at Damon, who's dead, and at Catherine, who is, you know, weak, but looking at him. And at the same time in the present day, he's looking at Damon, who is alive in present day. And he's looking at Elena. And so obviously he's getting all his wires crossed. And both Catherine and Elena say, I love you, Stefan. You think that's real? You think Catherine said, I love you right before he died? That's a great question. I think that's probably just Elena being there. That doesn't really read as something Catherine would do before dying. In her mind, I mean, I think in her mind, she's like, okay, I'm going to find a way out of this if it kills me. Why would she say she loves him right then with no manipulative reason? Well, maybe because she loves him. Maybe she did really love him, but... But you don't think so? I'm also still stuck in this, like, obviously I'm on Damon's team most of the time. So I'm like, well, she would maybe say I love you to Damon, but not to Stefan. That's you projecting, mama. That's you being like, well, I don't love Stefan, so no one would love him. But it doesn't really read as Catherine's vibe to, like, say I love you with her dying breath. Sure. This raises an interesting point. Do you think Catherine knew she was going to get out of the situation at that point? Or do you think she still thought she could die? I think she was hoping she could get out of it, but I don't think she had any plans set in stone at this point. And I will say more of this Catherine, I love you thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's more a sign that Stefan is still projecting something onto Catherine. We've talked about this before that I don't think Stefan has fully moved past Catherine in the way he thinks he has. And so I think this kind of dating Elena and going through these hallucinations, it is mixing up the wires of like, and that's why I think like Catherine, I don't think would say I love you with a dying breath, but Elena would. 
So it's getting all mixed up in his brain. Yeah, I think it's kind of his own issue being projected onto like also Elena being there. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Damon's around and he feels just as weak. Yeah. Bringing back that same feeling of like being really on death's door. Mind is a powerful tool. Yeah. So the crowd grabs Catherine and they put her back in the carriage and leaves Stefan and Damon's bodies there to rot. Yeah. And they're like, okay, bye to these traitors. Yeah. And they said, you cannot come to Founders Day this year. <laughs> then as the carriage drives away, Catherine is looking through the grate in the back of the carriage, intercut with Elena looking through the grate indoor. And it's like, we get it. They look alike. Yeah. <laughs> they're laying it on a little thick. So we cut to present day where Elena and Damon are debriefing about, you know, how bad everything's going with Stefan. And Elena says, like, oh, it's really hard to see him locked up. Damon's like, you did that. Ha ha ha. <laughs> but Elena's like, OK, well, obviously you care about him. But they both agree that it's really for the best that he be locked up, even though Elena's sad about it. And Damon's pretending not to be. Yeah. Damon loves to pretend he doesn't care and be like, whatever. Have to do it. He's being dumb. But he obviously is hurt by this. This is hard for him. The same way it was hard for Stefan to lock him up. And Elena knows that Damon cares about Stefan, which I think is kind of comforting for him that he can put up this wall, but he doesn't. It's a glass wall. She can see through it, buddy. A window, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that's a better word <laughs> for It's it. a window. A glass wall. <laughs> so then we see Stefan in the dungeon who is wide awake and facing the wall. And he takes this time to flashback to 1864 again. Uh, he's waking up at the quarry. He has blood all over his shirt from the gunshot wound, but it's healed. And he has his famous daylight ring. And who do we see but our old friend, Emily Bennett? Welcome back. Love her. And she's like, hey, um, so I made that ring for you a while ago. Yeah, so Catherine had her make rings for Stefan and Damon like way before this. So she was thinking. Catherine was prepped. Emily says that she brought Stefan and Damon to the quarry after they died, and she tells them they're both in transition. And Stefan doesn't really understand how that happened. Yeah, because he's like, well, why am I turning? And she's like, because you drank Catherine's blood. And he was like, no, I didn't. She said, oh, yeah, she compelled you to. She's like, that memory is going to come back pretty soon, King. But I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll catch you up. Stefan's like, oh, my God, what about Damon? And and Emily was like, oh, no, he was sipping that baby. Yeah, Emily said that wasn't a problem. He was drinking willingly. And Stefan sees Damon sitting by the water, contemplating the choices that led him here, looking very cute and shirtless. They catch up. Damon's like, so I saw them drag Catherine to the church and set it on fire. So she's dead. And I'm really not too pleased about that. He's not taking this news well because he wanted to be with Catherine. Yeah. And as we've seen in previous episodes, Damon was wanting to be turned and he wanted to be turned to be with Catherine. Yeah, to have an eternity with the woman he loves more than anything. Like, that was his reason. So he got kind of a sour deal. Story of his life, honestly. Yeah. We go to the present day where we have some light Delena fun. Delena <laughs> stands, we are snacking this evening, but we are not eating tonight. Mmm, <laughs> yummy. Damon is investigating the invention that Pearl gave him. He's looking at it. Neither of them have any idea what it is, and as far as they can tell, it doesn't work. Do you have any idea what this invention is? I don't know why you would, but it's just fun. I have no idea what it is, but I'll tell you this. It definitely works. You guys just yeah. don't know how to work it yet. <laughs> totally. I mean, <laughs> what? It ran out of battery. They didn't have batteries in 1864. Yeah. Like, no, Y'all better start reading some journals, mama. Shake it a little bit. Get a fucking chisel. I don't care. Worst case scenario, you break it and then John doesn't get what he wants anyway. So it kind of works out. I feel like regardless, they should just break it. 
Who cares what it does? I don't know. My curiosity would get the best of me. Because what if it's useful for them? What if it kills John somehow? Or what if it's full of whatever is in the fancy rings that keep you alive forever? That's a good point. Although I guess we think a lot about like, what does immortality mean? And is it a good thing? Although I guess the ring isn't really immortality because if you're sick of being alive, you just take it off. But yeah. Anyway, Damon's like, hey, you talked to your uncle lately? And Elena's like, as a matter of fact, I have been avoiding him. Plus, I've been staying here. And Damon's like, wink. (laughs) And, you know, Damon's like, oh, you're going to stay here again? And she's like, yeah, is that a problem? And he said, it is. You're a complete nuisance. And she's like, ha ha, right. And it's like, can you guys just kiss, please? (laughs) Like, oh, my God, you guys are obsessed with each other. Another little snack. Another little snack for us, Delena stands. We are we will take crumbs at this point, and that's what we're being given. Yeah, we get canapes tonight. Delena stands got the entree and the dessert. Delena stands got a filet mignon tonight, and you know what? They kind of deserved it. Stefan's been going through it. Yeah, <laughs> they earned it. I got one bacon wrapped date, and I said, "That's enough for me, baby. That's all I need. I'm not hungry." I said, "I can live off this. <laughs> yeah, I can make this work." So then we go over to school where Jeremy is walking into school, looking lonely and friendless as usual. But then Anna pops up and she's like, oh, my God, here's my class schedule. And he's like, why would you want to come to high school? And she's like, do I have to answer that? She's like, "Um, obviously for you, but thanks for making me say it. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> OK, you know why? Can you not like be a dick? Yeah. They kiss. It's a happy moment. And Jeremy's excited about it. He's like, you would really go through all of this for me. It's like very cute for them. They are very happy at this moment. A good omen for this couple who is in need of a good omen in general. And they will be in need of it again very soon. Yeah. And we go back to the dungeon. Damon has brought Stefan a water bottle full of animal blood. And Stefan says, no, I'm not hungry. And Damon says, well, yes, you are. That's like our thing. Yeah, he's like, we're literally hungry for eternity. But he's like, okay, the human blood is out of your system now. So like, why are you just sitting there depressed? And Stefan just sits down and ignores the blood. And Damon's like, fine, what do I care? So Damon goes upstairs, leaves Stefan alone with the bottle of animal blood that he is not touching. Damon gets a phone call from Alaric. I love because Alaric says on the phone, hey, it's Alaric Saltzman. You could have stopped at Alaric. There aren't that many of them. Yeah, we know one Alaric. Well, then Damon says, how'd you get this number? And Alaric says, it's a mystery. Anyway, (laughs) I missed that line. I do want to know how he got the number. Probably from Jenna. Yeah, but who can say? I love that he just said, it's a mystery. You know, the writers were like, how did he get this number? Doesn't matter. They wrote in the script, it's a mystery. And they're like, we'll figure out a reason later. And then they were like, oh, shit, we're shooting today. (laughs) They said, just say it. And Alaric basically says that he's a friend at Duke who's a good digger. Yeah, he's a criminology degree guy who can find stuff. Sure. Yeah, sure. That's enough information for me. I'm not asking for much more explanation than that. At first, I was like, well, why wouldn't they just ask the sheriff? But that they need more information than the sheriff can provide. Yeah. So he got his friend to do some digging on John. And they found out that John has been calling Isabel or that he had been calling the number that Elena called to get Isabel. And that Isabel seemingly disconnected that phone number after Elena called her. Yes. Which is interesting. And then that she got a new number that John has now been calling and that they tracked it to an apartment in Grove Hill. And based on context, we're meant to believe that Grove Hill is nearby. Yeah, I didn't ask any questions about that. I was like, sure, that's another suburb. Because he said, oh, Isabel's in Grove Hill. So it's like, okay, Grove Hill must be you know, next to Mystic Falls, whatever. I don't care that much. I'll accept whatever they tell me. 
Damon wants to go alone. Alaric wants to go together. Damon says, you tried to kill me. And Alaric says, you did kill me. Well, it's so funny because Damon says, well, what's the address? And Alaric's like, um, no, I'm not giving you the address because then you'll go without me. These two know exactly what they're getting from each other. Two smarties. I love this pair so much and it only gets better through the episode. Do you think their friendship's going to only grow from here? Oh, I think so. I mean, at this point, Damon's done one of the worst things he could possibly do. I mean, he could do something worse. Let, let's not pretend that he's not capable of that. But I think these two have similar goals and similar heartbreak to pull from. Mm-hmm. Lots to bond over. And they're age-appropriate friends for each other. Everyone else is a little young for the two of them. Yeah. Great pair. I would love to see Alaric, Damon, and Jenna hang out. Now that... That's a trio. Hurdy. I would love to be Jenna in that group. Yeah, that's a good point. Meanwhile, Damon gets a call from Elena and she's like, hey, I'm heading over. And Damon's like, Stefan's really broody. And since Elena's coming and Stefan's being annoying, Damon switches his phone call back to Alaric and says, like, I'll go. You drive. And Alaric's like, cool, cool. So then he hangs up on Alaric and goes back to talking to Elena. And he's like, Stefan's not eating. So that's a new development. And Elena says, like, what's his favorite? And Damon's (laughs) like, favorite what? And she's like, favorite type of animal blood and Damon says ew which I love to think that on the way Elena is gonna like pull over on the highway and like get a rock and try to find a squirrel I assumed she was gonna go to like a butcher shop and get like a quart of pig's blood or something sure I just think it's funnier to imagine that she's like oh he likes rabbits okay and then she just like pulls over to the road and like brings a baseball bat and it's just like come on rabbit goes to a pet store she's like you got any rabbits and they're like oh yeah we do and then and she's like you can just put it in the bag and they're like you won't be able to breathe in there and she said put it in the bag tie it tight (laughs) yeah she's like i don't want to do this (laughs) elena says you're joking doesn't help and damon says it helps me and she's like okay and then of course damon ends with like well he likes puppy blood from little golden retrievers and she's like okay well i don't know why i bought she's like okay drop dead (laughs) and They're still flirting despite, you know, the little tension. They're having a lot of fun on the phone. I'm having a lot of fun watching it. And then she hangs up and John is like right outside her door. Like standing in the doorway, being creepy as hell, of course. They're playing creepy music. And at first it's like, why are they playing this? He's being normal. And then, of course, he starts to get creepy because what else does John do? Yeah, it takes him 15 seconds to get creepy, which I think might be a personal record of his. Yeah. So he says, hey, can we talk? And she's like. Okay. And then he goes and like picks up a picture of her parents and looks at them. And he says, anyway, so I know, you know, so it's kind of silly to pretend you don't. And she's silly. So she pretends she doesn't. (laughs) And he says, how would your mother feel if she knew you were dating a vampire? Which is a, you know, a deep cut. But Elena hits back with a deeper cut, which is which one? And John is like, ooh, he's like, okay, so that's out there. This is the first but not the last time John loses a conversation that he expected to win. John is too confident and he doesn't have the right to be. He goes too strong too fast and then people catch him. But his move with Damon worked really well. So he's like, oh, I'm nailing it. And now it's just fallen short. Whether or not you like him, he kind of comes out on top at the end of this episode. Yeah, that's true. It's easy to come out on top when you are just an asshole. If you swing big... You can miss big like this, but you also hit big. Don't I know it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. John's approach to the vampires in town is your approach to theories on this show. I guess I have to respect that. 
I'm just mad at him right yeah, now. I know. For a very specific reason. And you probably will be forever. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to let this one go. But we'll get there. <laughs> so then back in 1864, the boys are sitting by the river just, you know, contemplating. And they're like, you know, Jonathan Gilbert probably already told dad that we're dead. I wonder how he took it. And Damon's like, well, he betrayed us. So Yeah, Damon's like, well, he hates us. So probably so he, fine. He probably like <laughs> had a glass of whiskey and had a party. He said, okay, well, free of those fucking losers. And Stefan's like, oh, he thought he was protecting us. And Damon's like, I don't know about that, but okay. That would piss me off if Stefan was still siding with their dad after they died, even though like there's just no point in siding with their dad now. Like Damon was right. Yeah, Damon read the situation correctly. But I understand that's hard to just cut a tie completely with your father. And clearly Stefan had a different relationship with his father than Damon did. Yeah. I mean, clearly Damon and his father had a lot of issues. There was no love lost there. Yeah. I think Stefan at least was like, well, he might disagree with some opinions, but he still loves me. Damon was like, oh, he hates me. And that's yeah, fine. Damon's like, he disagrees with my opinion and he doesn't love me. So I don't really know what I'm supposed to get from this relationship anymore. And to be fair, I don't think he loves Stefan either, but I think Stefan still thought he did because he was 17. To be fair, he likes Stefan more than Damon, so... That is true. And Stefan doesn't have any other parents to compare it to because their mom's not around. Where is their mom? She is dead. I kind of thought she was dead, but I didn't remember anything about it. Damon's like, oh, the sun is hurting my eyes. And Stefan's like, that's a part of it. You know, her muscle aches, everything... Emily says it's our bodies, you know, encouraging us to complete the transition. Yeah, it seems that Stefan got a lot of information from Emily and Damon probably already had this information. So he's just kind of sitting because, again, Damon was kind of preparing for this. So Damon's like, well, obviously, I'm not transitioning. And Stefan's like, what? And Damon's like, are you going to transition? And Stefan's like, I don't know. And Damon's basically like, all of this was to be with Catherine and Catherine's dead. So, yeah, I'm going to die. And I thought you would too. Yeah, Damon seems to be very much like, I'm just going to die. What's the point? And so it's interesting to see that because Stefan is kind of like, well, I hadn't really made that that decision yet. Because you would think with how Stefan behaves, he would have been very much the type to be like, no, I'm just going to die. This is crazy. But I don't think he was as ready to die as Damon was. Like He wasn't emotionally preparing for this the way Damon was. Which, like, because he's a 17 year old who got shot. Of course, he wasn't prepared. And he's like, well, I don't really want to die. And, yeah, and I Catherine really... didn't tell him anything about the transition. Yeah, I don't really know that much about what this means. You know, like Emily told me it's like not fun, but. Yeah, he hasn't really made the decision. But once Damon makes the decision to die, Stefan's kind of like, yeah, I guess he's right. I probably should die. Yeah. But this comes up to of like giving teenage boys the opportunity for eternal life. They are not going to be making the right call on that. They won't, they're not thinking about it in the right way. They're like, oh, I never die. That's dope. And it's like, you're not thinking about any of the other consequences of that? Yeah. Well, and again, Damon had more time to prepare. Stefan is grappling with all of this very fast. And he has to make a decision very fast on if he wants to have eternal life and be a vampire, if he wants to die. He hasn't had the time to really consider that the way Damon has. Yeah. So it's a, dif- it's a difficult day for Stefan. I think part of it, it seems easier to take the eternal life choice because like you can always die later. Yeah. If you choose that. If I hate it, just kill me. Yeah. If I hate it, I'll go find Jonathan Gilbert. I'll take off my ring. Yeah, that exactly. So it's kind of like, that's the easier path, but you know, Damon's depressed. So he's like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Damon's in an emotional headspace right now. 
So then we go back to the present day where Elena stops by the dungeon and she's like, hey, Stefan, um, I would really love it if you would feed. And Stefan says, well, I would really love it if I would die. And she's like, <laughs> OK, that's not really the response I expected. And he says, after what I've done, it has to end. He's being very dramatic. Yeah. And like, you know, he we get an answer to what he's done, quote unquote. But at this point, I was like, OK, you didn't. You like bit a girl, which wasn't cool, but like, I don't really think that's worthy of a death sentence. Yeah. Then upstairs at the Salvatore house, Elena is talking to Damon again. She's like, he still won't feed. And Damon's like, look, he's being dramatic. He's being a murder. It's what Stefan does. It'll pass. Elena is worried. Damon is not. Also, because Stefan will get really hungry and start desiccating it's likely that he'll probably feed at some point, I think, in Damon's mind. So it's like, okay, like he can be mad about it now, but like there's a bottle of blood sitting there that's going to get drunk. Yeah. Damon's like, well, I have to run out with the teacher. And Elena's like, are you guys friends now? And Damon says, I don't have any friends. But of course he has at least one friend and her her name is Elena Gilbert. Well, and he says, I don't have friends. Elena says, right. Because she knows he does. and Because they're friends. And he kind of smiles at that a little because he's like, yeah, yeah, they're friends. And Damon's like, hey, like, don't go downstairs alone while I'm gone. And she's like, "Mm, I'll be fine. And he's like, you know, you're putting a lot of trust in him. And she's like, well, so are you because you're leaving. And he's like, touche. He's like, well, I got to go stay upstairs, which you wish she would. Yeah, wish she would. I would be a bad girlfriend to Stefan because if someone told me, like, don't go downstairs, I'd be like, I'm not going downstairs. He's going to kill me. I wouldn't even be at this house, to be completely honest. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm going to go catch up on my shows. Text if you need me. Yeah, that's why it would never work with me and Stefan. I'd be like, I'm going to go to the movies with Caroline. Yeah. I would not want to be involved in this. It, it couldn't be me. So then we cut over to the Mystic Grill, where John has invited Pearl on some kind of pseudo date. And the cover he used was, you know, the guise of talking to her before selling the building. They don't really mince words for very long. She's like, I'm not a fucking idiot. Obviously, you know who I am. You knew who I was when you requested this meeting. So let's get down to it. And he's like, "Okay, yeah, you got me. Pearl's like, well, Damon told me that you're looking for the device that I stole from Jonathan Gilbert. I have no intention of giving it to you, by the way. She's like, obviously, I don't want to give this to you like you're fucking Gilbert. And he says that he's going to change her mind with his, quote, Gilbert charm. It won't be his looks. (laughs) No offense to any of the Gilberts, but I would not say that charm is one of the chief aspects of a Gilbert personality. I fully agree with that. No offense to Elena, Jeremy, even Jenna. Even Elena, who is arguably the most charming, like charm is not her thing. Yeah, she's not charming as much as she is like nice. Yeah, like that's not really a, a word that I would use for any of them. Certainly not, John. Yeah, least of all, John. And then he takes the time to be like, well, you know, I know you have a weakness for Gilbert Charm. And then he's like, can I buy you a drink? And she accepts it. But man, she hates the man. Yeah, she's like, I mean, I'll take a drink if I have to listen to you try to charm me today. She's like, every Gilbert really do be trash, huh? Yeah. I mean, she doesn't know Jeremy that well. And I do think she doesn't have high hopes. for him. You can see why she is anti Anna dating Jeremy. Yeah. From what she knows of the Gilbert men and their charms or lack thereof. So then at the Gilbert house, Anna and Jeremy are hanging out in Jeremy's room. 
And Anna's just catching Jeremy up on everything. And then they're done debriefing on the information they just make out. I will say just on this conversation of Gilbert's, I am a little worried about Jeremy taking this Gilbert man path, this Jonathan John path of becoming anti-vampire. How do you think that path will manifest? So I think, you know, he obviously wanted to be a vampire to be with Vicky. And now he's got Anna and he, I don't think he just like, he really likes Anna, but I think this idea of being a vampire is going to become problematic, especially if he's going to read more of these journals and if he's going to talk to John about it. I don't think he wants to talk to John about it, but I think John would be able to take advantage of Jeremy. John's really going to be the only person he feels like he can talk to, probably. Yeah, because John will push it in a way that Elena won't. And John's trying really hard to talk to Jeremy because he probably knows that Jeremy's either going to side with Elena or John. I mean, no shade to Jeremy, but of the people John could manipulate, Jeremy's one of the easier ones. Yeah, let's not pretend that Jeremy's like the smartest guy we've ever met. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. I really like him. There's a reason he was failing all his classes, and it's not just weed. I hate to say it. He's a C student. I mean, we know that about him. That's not a judgment call. It's just a fact. Yeah, and he's not insecure about it. Yeah, he's like, no, this is is about where I want to be. He goes to chat rooms. He goes to his sister's journal. He does not go to his own brain. Yeah. Mama, it's (laughs) empty up there. Yeah. It's lonely up there. He's got to go. Yeah, out of office. (laughs) So they make out. They strip a little bit. Anna can hear Jenna's downstairs. Jeremy's got a little body on him. We did not know this. Yeah, we see a little bit of a body come out on Jeremy. You think Jeremy's hot? I do. Okay, just asking. Hot wouldn't have been the word until this episode. (laughs) But I think he's like cute and a sweetie and just like... There's something about a sensitive stoner. Tell me about it. (laughs) So then we cut over to the apartment on Grove Hill. Damon and Alaric arrive, our two boys. They find out this place was paid three months in advance. And so Damon's like, oh, it's probably going to be a little touchy for me then. I don't know if I'm going to have to be invited in. And we get a little review slash new information about the inviting in rules. Yeah, because Alaric's like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Like, do you have to be invited in like every time? Like, how does that work? Love him asking that. I need a refresher once in a while. Yeah. And Damon says, yeah, by the person who owns it, short-term rentals and hotels are a gray area. You kind of have to play it by ear. This is a great expositional line because it explains it while explaining nothing. Yeah. Because then it gets us out of a bunch of things of like, oh, does the landlord have to invite them in if we run into more apartments over the years or God forbid college dorms? That's a good point. I didn't even think about college dorms. I know. They set it up that they can like use it in either way, depending on the situation. Very smart of them. Yes. Excellent work, Julie Pleck. Where is your Emmy? (laughs) And they go to the door and Damon can get in. So there's no permanent resident, whatever. It's pretty funny. He just twists the doorknob really hard and then breaks it and opens it. Very cool way to break down a door. And then they go in. Damon opens the fridge and there's a bunch of blood bags in there. And Damon's like, oh, I think we have company. And as soon as he says it, a vampire jumps and kind of attacks Alaric. But Alaric's got like brass knuckles. That's a bunch of little stakes. Yeah, pretty cool. Cool weapon. Alaric really is set on the weapons. Yeah, he is a creative dude for sure. Weapon wise. Yeah, he learned about vampires one time and he is prepped. So Damon and Alaric overpower the tiny little man. And he's like, oh, hey, Damon. (laughs) Yeah, and he's like, Damon? And Damon's like, oh, I know you. You were in the tomb. His name is Henry. We saw him briefly in the beginning of the episode. 
Yeah, we saw him being loaded into the same little buggy that Catherine was in, which I remember when I saw him at the beginning, I was like, now who is that? We haven't seen that dude. And then we saw him here. Yeah, that's, that's the reason we saw his face because they paid that actor for a whole episode. Yeah. And no more than that. <laughs> so they sit down to start to talk with Henry. And so, of course, we go back and check in at the dungeon. Elena is watching Stefan and Stefan walks us into another flashback where Stefan is like walking up to the old Salvatore house and he overhears Giuseppe, his father, and Jonathan drinking and chatting and just shitting on these two boys. Yeah, basically saying like we need to make sure the founders archives are accurate. And by accurate, I mean the lie that we've chosen. Yeah. So not accurate at all, actually. <laughs> but whatever. And so Giuseppe's like, make sure you march the church deaths as civilians. And Jonathan's dumbass says, but they weren't civilians. Yeah, we know, Jonathan. This is for the history book. I want it to be a lie, Giuseppe says. And then Giuseppe says, and also make sure you mark my sons as innocent victims of the Battle of Willow Creek. I don't want them to be known for their shame. And I'll point out, Jonathan doesn't seem pleased that Giuseppe wants him to essentially lie in these firsthand accounts. Jonathan Gilbert is a noted writer. He said, I can't do anything with the story that they're civilian. Jonathan's like, I literally killed my girlfriend and you want me to lie about the sons. And so this is just more fuel to my personal fire that you have stamped down at every opportunity, but it still burns that there are some secret journals somewhere. And I'm thinking they're Gilbert journals. Jeremy said earlier in the episode that there is more journals. I think the thing about the journals, my assumption is that the Gilberts aren't necessarily hiding these journals, but just like too, everyone's too lazy to read all the journals. Well, I think John could be hiding them. What does he gain from hiding these things from the council? I think it's something that Isabel wants. I don't think he really, I'm not sure 100% why. John clearly knows this stuff that Jonathan wanted to put in the journals. So I think it's realistic that there's a Gilbert journal that John has read that he may not be keeping from the council explicitly, but I don't think he would give it to them unless they said, do you have an, a journal from Jonathan Gilbert? But if John's the younger brother, do you think Grayson didn't read it or Grayson just let him hide stuff? I bet Grayson didn't read it. He's busy being a doctor. And John was like, and John has clearly no job. Or maybe even Catherine was like, let me see a journal. And he was like, I can see what we Gilberts have. Yeah, I think, I mean, you've been harping on this idea of secret journals for some time now. And I don't think there's any secret journals. I just think most people don't want to read most of them. Because if Jonathan Gilbert was really this prolific writer, it seems like he wrote every day. Like, just write the big events, Jonathan. To him, every day is a big event. He's the main character of his life. That's true. But I do think John is reading something that Jonathan specifically wrote that differs from the account Giuseppe wanted in the journal. Well, they're writing. OK, so they're writing Founders Archives. They're not writing a journal. Giuseppe can't tell Jonathan what to write in his own personal journal. And also enough other founders know about this that I think everyone's personal journals have recollections of this event, because obviously they all know that there was a fire and the vampires were burned. I'm guessing not a lot of them kept personal journals. Did everyone keep a journal back then? I mean, I guess what else did you do? I don't know, and I don't honestly care. But also, I just think that it would be impossible for John to have gotten ahead of it enough that he knows for sure no one has read these journals, you know? Because if this journal was written in 1864, there's a number of people who were born before John. And then John, we're meant to believe, is Grayson's younger brother. 
I just think it didn't leave the Gilbert family because I was under the impression they just had all these journals together, but journals versus archives is different things. Sure. I mean, I think it's mostly passed down orally. The only thing that John knows that the Founders Council doesn't know is about the existence of the tomb. And he learned about that from Catherine. He didn't learn about that from the journals. I just don't (laughs) think there's any information that John knows that he that others don't that he got from journals. Yeah, I don't think the journals are offering him much. I think you're putting a lot of importance on the journals. I am. I'm not really sure why. I don't know why either. Then we go back to present day in the dungeon. And Stefan's like, hey, there's no vervain in my system. So like, I could kill you, Elena. You should leave. I don't want you here. Then she opens the door and comes inside. And he said, okay, that was stupid. And she said, yeah, then I'm stupid. Couldn't be me. That's why I am not dating a vampire. I do not have the patience for this. She's like, please drink this animal blood. And he gets angry. He kind of tries to, you know, scare her off. He performatively jumps at her. Yeah, yeah he gets some veins under his eyes. He's like, get out. And she's like, no, I trust you, so I'm not going to leave. And she's like the little girl statue by the bull. She stands strong, baby. His veins come in. He gets mad and she stays there. She doesn't move. And then he gets rid of his veins. So I guess she was right to trust him. Yeah, he was able to pull that under control pretty quick. Well, I think he was just trying to scare her off because he knows that she'll convince him not to kill himself. And he is dead set on killing himself tonight. Meanwhile, back in Grove Hill at the apartment, Henry's like, oh, how do you guys know John Gilbert? And they're like, oh, my God, we're such good friends. with." Yeah, him. Damon reads them correctly. He's like, oh, yeah, we are friends. What about you? And Henry's like, oh, yeah, I met John right after I came out of the tomb. He's been helping me, like, adjust to the whole new world. Cars, computers, match.com. Love that Henry came out of the tomb and he said, I want a girlfriend. He said, I am ready today. He said, I'm ready for love. He said, John even helped me get this apartment. And they're like, oh, interesting, interesting. And Alaric's like, do you live here alone? And Damon's like, okay, that's my friend's passive aggressive way of asking if you know a woman named Isabel. Yeah, Damon's like, Alaric, you got to dial it back a little bit here. We're trying to do a, a chill vibe. Yeah, Alaric can't be calm because he really thought he was going to see Isabel today. He really did his hair all cute and everything. And Henry's like, yeah, I don't know Isabel. John's my only real friend. Woof. He's not your friend, sweetie pie. He's like, he taught me a lot. He's like, and in return, you know, I just keep on the other tomb guys for him. And Damon and Alaric are like, what now? the other tomb guys and he's like yeah you know i'm cool but there's a you know a group of the tomb guys who are still mad at the founding families and would like to get revenge yeah he's like but don't worry john's watching over them and i'm gonna guess john is uh building a little team of his own what do you think john's doing with the tomb vampires you think he's gonna get them to come and kill yeah i think he's nursing that revenge and wants to take over the city and he'll use vampire help to do it what's to stop the vampires from killing him once he helps them kill the founding families He's keeping them hidden, but letting them do whatever they want, unlike Pearl. But they can't stay hidden forever if they go and kill all the founding family members. Well, because I think he's keeping them protected until they're like there's some opportunity to kill the founding families. So that's what I'm asking. What does John gain if all of the founding families are dead? And if all the founding families are dead, what's to stop the tomb vampires from just killing John? I think he is fostering some sort of loyalty that he's giving enough that he's like, look, you can kill the founding families, but like, I want to be spared and I want some control in Mystic Falls. What do you yeah, what do you think he's giving them and what do you think they're giving him? Why do you think they would work together? He's giving them apartments and like places to stay outside of Mystic Falls and information about each of the founding families to build this sort of plan. And they are giving him this like opportunity to get rid of these other people in his way. What are the founding fa- families in his way of? Like being mayor. 
Okay, but then why would he tell the founding families that there is still a vampire problem? I think he's kind of nursing both of these. Whichever pays off first. He wants to be the star of Mystic Falls and like maybe he wants the vampires to help him with that. But also like if they kill all the vampires, then he's still the star. And also keep in mind, these vampires can't kill him. He's got his ring. A ring can come off. So what do you think the device has to do with it? Oh, I have no idea. I have nothing. Just on that. digging into your theory there. <laughs> I don't know if I even sold that well enough. Yeah, you didn't. But that's OK. I'm trying to think of what my thought process of it is. You, well, you basically think that like John's doing all this to be mayor of Mystic Falls. <laughs> to what end? So he can go like open a school? I think he's just a, a narcissist who wants lots of attention and he thinks being mayor is the way to do it. And it's like not. But if you kill all the founding family members and your biggest pride is being a founding family, it doesn't mean anything to be a founding family anymore if they're all dead. Well, no, you're like the one founding family. You're the royal family. So you're the king of Mystic Falls. Sure. It only has to make sense in my head. Yeah, it does only have to make sense in your head unless Julie Pleck decides she likes it and then it'll make sense on the TV show too. So Damon and Alaric are like, okay, well, this is fishy. And then at that same time, John makes a little phone call to Henry. And Henry's like, oh my God. Yeah, his phone is ringing. He's like, oh, it's John right now. Speak of the devil. It's, it's my good friend, John Gilbert. And Damon's like, oh, my God, that's so fun. Can, can I talk to him? And he's like, oh, sure. And he gives him the phone and Damon doesn't pick it up. He just looks at it. He's like, Damon just lets it ring. And then it's kind of quiet for a second. He's like, are you going to answer that? And then he and Alaric like shake their heads. And Damon looks at Alaric and he says, am I going to answer that? And Alaric's like, no. <laughs> and this poor guy is like, oh, no. And then Alaric pretty quickly stakes him. And Henry is dead. And Damon says, hey. Just remember, you were the one who said you didn't want to kill anyone tonight. I just think it's funny. And Alaric looks stressed that he did kill someone, but comes with the territory, King. Welcome to the Vampire Diaries. You did come here with a steak bra- brass knuckles, steak knuckles. And you had a whole other steak, too. So that was going to go somewhere. I mean. So then we go back to the grill where Pearl and John are having the worst date since the double date we saw a couple episodes ago. <laughs> Pearl's like, why should I give you this invention? And John says, look, I've got a lot of control in this town. I'll help you live peacefully, which does support your little theory you just dug in on. I do also. Well, I think it's funny because he's like, and, you know, it's a family heirloom. And to which I would say, what about the fucking apothecary, bitch? Yeah, she says, if it doesn't work, why do you want it so bad? And he says, I'm sentimental. It's a family heirloom. And she's like, well, I'm sentimental for my business that I owned. She should have said, if you sell me that building, you can have the device. Oh, yeah, I would have done that, too. If you give me that building, now there's no money yeah. involved. But unfortunately, uh, well, unfortunately for John, Pearl has no soft spot for Gilbert's anymore. In fact, she's more um, judgmental of Gilbert's than anyone else. Yeah, he thought he had more pull than he did. And so John decides to try to win her over with some sweetness because you catch more flies with honey than whatever the other thing is. You know what I mean? It's a saying. So John's like, you know... Jonathan wrote about you. You were his one regret. He loved you and he hated what he did to you. He wrote about you on his dying day. And she definitely is like doubting, but kind of hopeful. At first, she's like, you're lying. But then he like doubles down. And despite herself, she kind of starts to believe it. And she doesn't like say anything, but you can see that she softened a little bit. And then John laughs in her face. John is like, ha ha. You just got John Gilberted, bitch. 
I would have killed him right there in that restaurant. I don't care if I get staked right after. Bye. He's like, you vampires are so emotional. Jonathan hated you. He hated He's like, you. his only regret was that he didn't stake you himself. And then Pearl's done pretending to be nice. And she says, I gave the device to Damon, by the way. And John's like, what? He immediately loses a little bit of upper hand he had here because it's all over his face. I honestly think he's being a dick because he loved this move of getting killed by a vampire and coming back. I think he wants to do it. He's chasing that high. Like, I literally think that's his plan right now. Yeah. And then Pearl tells him to rot in hell. And so this is another conversation that didn't really go John's way. He really thought he was coming in, like holding all the cards. And as it turns out, he was holding very few cards. So then we go back to the dungeon and Elena's like, hey, Stefan, why do you want to die? Like, we should talk about this. And Stefan's like, you know, it's a decision I should have made years ago. I regret making the choice to feed on human blood and complete the transition. So naturally, we go back to 1864 where Stefan completes the transition. He goes to confront his father and he's like, hey, dad. And his dad's like, well, I know you're one of them now, so I hate you. So I hate you even more than I already did. And Stefan's like, they shot me. And his dad's like, no, I shot you. What a fucking asshole. Stefan's like, you killed your own sons. And he's like, you were dead to me the minute you sided with vampires. And Stefan's like, I came here to tell you that like, I'm not going to, Finish the transition. I'm not going to feed. Like, I came here to tell you I'm going to die and I want to say goodbye to my dad. And Giuseppe's like, okay. And then he, like, gets a steak ready. Yeah, Giuseppe's like, oh, you're not going to let yourself die. I'm going to kill you again. Like, he was literally going to die for his father's cause and his dad was still going to kill him. That's got to hurt. His dad picks up his makeshift steak. Stefan throws his dad against a wall. And then the steak, wouldn't you know it, pierces Giuseppe. And Stefan's like, oh, my God, I'm so, so sorry, even though his dad's the one who got himself into this mess. And Giuseppe's like, I want to fucking kill you. Like, still, like you're literally sitting there bleeding out, my guy. And then Stefan uh, notices Giuseppe's blood and he looks at it and Giuseppe's like, oh, ew. Oh, she's like, oh, no, this is even worse. When Stefan walked into his dad's study, I was like, oh, he's going to kill his dad. He's about to eat his dad's blood and get and kill his dad. You know, I was like, okay, no wonder Stefan feels so guilty. Like he killed his dad. But then I watched this scene. I was like, oh, no, like that was a good call. Yeah. So he licks some blood off his hands and then he goes in for more. His dad is absolutely disgusted. And then the veins and the fangs appear. And it's a rough day for Giuseppe. Giuseppe has not had a good day. It's what he deserves. So then we go up to the dungeon and Elena's like, she's trying to be supportive. She's like, we should really talk about this. This kind of stuff. Yeah. Like Stefan's like, yeah, I'm going to die. But thanks for your concern. She's like, well, here's your daylight ring back. Come upstairs when you're ready to talk to me. Feels like she should have asked Damon's advice on this plan. That's not really Elena's MO is to think about things before she does them. So she just leaves the door open and goes upstairs. She puts a lot of trust in him. It's a lot of trust in Stefan, which is why she's a good girlfriend for Stefan. But it couldn't be me. So then we go back over to Grove Hill. Alaric has found nothing in the apartment. And the only thing Damon found is a beer. So it's kind of been a bust. Yeah, Alaric's not feeling great. And Alaric's like, you know what? Um, I think I've got to stop searching for Isabel. And Damon's like, oh, wow, it's only been two years. That's really healthy, actually. He's like, that's actually pretty good. Alaric has a good <laughs> laugh about that, because as we know, Damon's been searching for Catherine for 146 years. Well, it's a sweet moment because Alaric does kind of take a second to like 
laugh at the ridiculous situation he has found himself in. And then Alaric kind of has a nervous breakdown. <laughs> He's like, I don't know why I'm fucking doing this. Yeah, Alaric stops laughing pretty fast. Like, I'm looking to find the answer to, like, when my wife decided she didn't love me. Like, this is not fun for me. I have to be done with this bullshit. He's like, no answer is going to make me happy because it's just going to be, like, depressing. Yeah. And then Damon's like, yeah, I, I keep thinking, like, why didn't I kill Isabel? Like, yeah, Damon kind of tries to cheer Alaric up and you know, kind of commiserate. And he's like, yeah, Isabel was charming. Alex, like, shut the fuck up. Alex, like, you know, I don't want to waste my life searching for answers I don't want. I'm done with all of this, which kind of implies that he's like done with all the vampire stuff too. Because if it's not for Isabel, why is he involved in all this shit? Of course, we know he's not going to be done. It's not even the season finale. I mean, if he dies any time sooner than season seven, I'll kill myself. (laughs) And that's a promise. (laughs) So then we go over to the tomb house. Anna is coming home after making out with Jeremy for hours on end. And Pearl says, okay, so pack your things. We're going to go. Smart. And Anna's like, no, I like my life here. And Pearl's like, it's too dangerous here. There's too much history in this town. It is not safe for us to be here anymore. Anna fights back. She's like, this is about building a life for myself. But the truth of it is that it's about Jeremy. Pearl knows it's about Jeremy, but you know, to Pearl's credit, she says, you can make your own decision, but I want to protect your life. And that's why I want you to come with me. It is the story of Pearl's life that she's like, OK, we got to go. And then it's just not quite soon enough. It is sad to watch her try to make peace with the idea that maybe Anna won't come with. Well, yeah, that maybe their lives have just gotten too different. But this is what always bites everyone in the butt. Emotional entanglements. If Pearl was not attached to her daughter and to Harper, she would have left right after that meeting with John. Yeah. And if Anna wasn't attached to Jeremy, she would have just been like, "Okay, let's finish packing right now. Let's go. So then we go back over to the Salvatore house. Damon gets home and he's surprised to see Elena is still there. He sits on the couch. Elena puts her legs on his lap. It's very cute. So Damon and Elena in their very cute position on the couch catch up on each other's days. Damon says his errand with the teacher was futile and Alaric had an existential crisis. Accurate uh, summation of his night. And Elena says, you know, I think Stefan is getting closer to eating, but he's working through guilt of you blaming him for Catherine getting caught. You know, you're not innocent. You make Stefan's life miserable. And Damon's like, did you ever get the full story, you judgy bitch? Yeah, Damon's like, I'm going to guess he didn't tell you the whole thing. And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, well, he did tell me there was more which is an understatement. So Damon tells her. So we flash back to 1864 after Stefan has killed his own father and Stefan brings a girl who looks a lot like Spencer from Pretty Little Liars, but is not Spencer from Pretty Little Liars. Just to clarify for the guest star segment. He brings this girl up to Damon and he's like, oh, I brought this woman for you. And Damon's like, excuse me? And Stefan's like, okay, so I went to go see dad. Long story short, we got in a fight. I drank his blood. But it felt awesome. It was so dope. I have so much power. He's like, I feel great. And you know what? All the guilt and the pain, I can turn it off like a switch, which is another introduction to a concept that we haven't really addressed yet, but I have told you about, which is that vampires can kind of turn off their emotions like uh, like they flip a switch. But this is a question that 
I was kind of under the impression that they had to turn off like all their emotions. Can they pick and choose which ones? No. Okay. So if you turn off the pain and guilt, you turn off like everything. Yeah. If you turn off the pain and guilt and sadness, you also turn off happiness and love. So that's something we'll see more of. We get more explanation of it next episode. I can tell you that for sure. Oh, and we'll see more examples of it as the show goes on. And obviously this is like the overwhelming. This is kind of a message of the show as a whole is like the bad feelings are worth feeling if you get to feel the good ones, too. That's what they all go through. You know, we go through a lot of exploration with the humanity switch. We'll see a lot of it, but we're just starting to learn about it. Damon notably is like, I don't want to turn off this pain stuff. I want to die. And I'm okay with this and feeling. Yeah. Damon says, like, I don't want to feed like there's no world without Catherine. And Stefan's like, if you're a vampire, you can like not care about Catherine. Yeah. He's like, you can think there is a world without Catherine. Stefan's like, look, you're really weak. You need to feed to live. Damon is still like, I really don't want to feed. And clearly Stefan wants his brother to turn with him. He isn't going to say it, but Stefan needs a friend. It's not actively about like eternal life. Yeah. Even it's so much about like, think of this joy and power we'll feel, which like Stefan's kind of coming at it from very much like a young boy standpoint of like, this is so exciting. Very much Ben, the himbo. Yeah. Damon is not quite in that same mindset of like what that means, because he's like, I feel all this pain for Catherine. Like, I don't need to like feel this crazy power just because of that. I do think there's some level of like brotherly love of like, you want to experience that joy together. And yeah, you don't want to be alone. Well, and, you know, Stefan's just tasted blood. He's felt all the pluses without any of the negatives he will soon uh, experience. And so he's like, I don't really understand why you wouldn't want to do this. I'm having a whole shit ton of fun and I want to play with my brother. So because Damon's being wishy-washy, Stefan's like, okay, well, I'm going to make this choice a little easier for you. So Stefan bites the girl's neck and exposes blood because as we saw with Stefan, he was cool as a cucumber until the blood came out. Same thing with Miss Vicky. I mean, they're like, no, I don't need to turn. And then they smell the blood and they're like, Thank that, that oh. smells good. Yeah. And Stefan kind of leads Damon to the girl's neck and Damon feeds and he quickly enjoys it. So you've been anti-Stefan for a while. After the Miss Mystic Falls episode, you kind of were a little more pro-Stefan for a second because you saw that it clearly, his relationship with blood was clearly not normal. Yeah, clearly his relationship with blood is more complicated than I thought it was, which I think at some point I said it could be more complicated. But I'm glad you're admitting that it was. And I think it's because he's like scared of that power, probably because when he was a young little vampire, he took it pretty far because he's a 17 year old who just became a vampire. I mean, we can't blame him for that because I do think Stefan, a 17 year old boy as a vampire is going to take much more this like prototypical Damon approach and probably even further than that when you know it's 1864 and like who's gonna find a dead body like no one's tracking murders the same way yeah DNA evidence doesn't exist yet so then we cut to the present day where Elena has now heard the whole story and Damon basically said from the very beginning human blood made Stefan a completely different person you know looking at it now I would thank him because I like my life, but that's how it went down. That's the tea, mama. And Elena is like, oh my God, now I totally understand why he wants to die. (laughs) And Damon says, stupid for him to want to die, but it's his choice. And Elena's like, don't do that. Don't pretend you don't care. And he's like, okay, um, good point. And so then Elena goes to the dungeon to go comfort Stefan. But since she left the door open, 
Stefan's gone and his daylight ring is on the bench. So she puts two and two together. Well, I think it is interesting, you know, leaving the ring behind. And I think you agree that this is probably what he was planning that, you know, he just is outside and the sun comes out pretty quick way to die. Easy, effective. I mean, if he really wanted to die, he would have gone to the founder's council and been like, I'm a vampire, kill me. But then it would have implicated Damon, which he doesn't want to do. And it's hard to stake your own self. I mean, this is just the most efficient way. doesn't bother anyone. Yeah, he's worried about who has to clean up his mess. And if he sets on fire, death and cleanup all in one. And then at the Gilbert house, Jeremy is asleep and Anna sneaks in, but he's not scared. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm not scared of you. And they have a very tender moment where clearly she is saying goodbye, but he's like kind of half awake. They kiss and she leaves. It's kind of like you could tell Jeremy would wake up and be like, was that a dream? You know? And then we go back over to the quarry, but we're there in the present day now. Stefan is looking not good and he is looking out at the water. And then we go back to 1864 and Damon has completed the transition. And he's like, damn, that did feel good. He's like, you're right. That felt great. (laughs) And he seems like happy at first. And then Damon says, you know, you got what you wanted, the two of us for eternity. But I can promise you this. It's going to be an eternity of misery for you. Yeah, I was watching this. I was like, okay, so they're like still doing the brotherly love thing. Like, when does this rivalry really start? Because I think he had a lot of reasons for the rivalry, you know. But I was like, well, maybe it'll just take him a while. They're going to have like a little honeymoon period. But he said, an eternity of misery. Yeah, he's like, why couldn't you just let me fucking die? Yeah. And Stefan's like, okay, well, that backfired. And then we flash back really quickly to present day Stefan in the woods. And then he spins around and we're back in 1864. And Emily Bennett's like, so you transitioned. And he's like, yeah, it's awesome. And she's like, look, I owed Catherine because I made a promise to her that I would see this through. But I would not wish her curse on anyone. He said, it's not looking like a curse right now, baby. And she said, that will change because your heart is pure and that will be your curse. So what do you think that means? I think she knew that he was going to struggle with shifting emotions and what exactly meant to have to kill people to survive. I think she knew that was going to be a problem for him specifically. Also, because he didn't go into this prepped in any way, even though Damon kind of walked it back when he knew Catherine wasn't around. But Damon kind of had some time to really think about the mechanics of this. Mm -hmm. Whereas Stefan kind of got thrown into it. I think the power of like his first meal being his father, who he just was like massively betrayed by is like a big win in a bad way. Yeah, that's going to fuck you up. Like that kind of power is going to backfire once he leaves this honeymoon period. And I think he's also going to go down a hole. He's riding this high of how of what human blood makes him feel. And then his brother was like, you're a piece of shit. I don't want to ever see you. And so he's like, oh, well, I'll probably go party and push this off for a couple decades. When we also talked about when Vicky turned about how part of turning into a vampire is all your emotions get heightened. And I don't know if we've seen enough transitions to kind of get this context yet, but it obviously heightens different emotions for different people because it kind of just exemplifies the type of person you are. So the fact that Stefan is very people pleasy and also very like emotional and dramatic, that explains a lot of the murder stuff. Yeah. That he goes to these extremes of like trying to do the right thing. And so that gets heightened once he's been turned. 
Well, and also with these emotions being higher, I think he's at a particular risk right now of wanting to turn off the emotions and seeing that as very much a positive because again, he's a teenage boy. That seems like a positive when you're a teenage boy. He doesn't really have a lot of good emotions to cling to right now because his brother hates him and he killed his dad. So who also who was going to kill him twice in one day. Yeah, this so like turning off the good emotions isn't really anything for Stefan because he's like, I don't actually really have any good emotions. Yeah, he's like, okay, what am I losing? So then we go back to the present day in the woods. Stefan is continuing to be freaked out and Elena approaches and she's like, hey, so Damon told me the rest of the story. And Stefan's like, so you agree. I should have died and let Damon die. And she's like, whoa, that was a a jump. And this is a very sweet conversation. Stefan basically says that since he's responsible for Damon turning, every kill that he has made and every kill that Damon has made are on his conscience, that he's responsible for all of that death. Which makes more sense why he cares so intensely about what Damon does. Because he feels like if he had let Damon die, Damon would never have killed anyone. So every time Damon does kill someone, Stefan feels like he killed someone. It adds to his body count. His human emotion of feeling very like empathetic for other people only gets exacerbated as a vampire. Well, I do think it's interesting because this, you know, does exemplify, like Emily said, his like pure heart which, as I've said before, is one of Elena's big characteristics, which is why, like, that's not a lasting couple. You need a little bit of mix and match. You can't have two pure hearts. Yeah. It's a race to the bottom. Exactly. And then Elena reveals that the night that her parents died, she blew off family night to go to a party, and they came to pick her up, and that's why they ended up on the bridge that night and drove off. And she said, our actions set things in motion, but that's something we have to live with. Well, I think this is interesting that she brought this up because, you know, obviously she's like, look, I have this same kind of guilt about some sort of death. It's obviously not the same magnitude, but I get this mindset. But I also think this is an interesting point to remind Stefan, like the fact that you and Damon are alive is the fact that like I survived that car crash. Like you haven't killed every single person you've come in contact with. Like you have done some good. Well, yeah, she says like, yes, the choice you made to transition and to make Damon transition It killed a lot of people, but you also made that choice to reject the decision and be good. You saved my life every day. You do better. You also have to, like, give those choices the same weight that you're giving your back. Yeah, he sticks, like, in his head on the negative parts and doesn't take time to really appreciate the positive parts, which, like, don't we all? Yeah, tell me about it. But And Stefan's like, it really hurts me all the time knowing what I'm doing. If I give myself over to the blood, the pain will stop. We can assume because if he gives himself over to the blood, he turns off his emotions and he just goes crazy. He says, every day I fight that, but I worry someday that I won't want to fight it anymore. And the next person I hurt could be you. And she's like, no, it's not going to be me, though. And he's like, it could be. She said, no, couldn't be me. (laughs) He's like, I don't really know what to tell you. Like, I could kill you. It's what he needs. I think he needs someone to just like love him that openly. And trust him. And I think this is just really sweet because it's clear that Elena makes Stefan want to like keep fighting every day and keep fighting to be alive, even if it adds some risk to it. So this did give me a little flutter in my heart for Stelena. I'll say that. Yeah, you do see the positives of Stelena here. And Elena says, look, you can make a choice here tonight, too. You can take your daylight ring, you can throw it in the quarry, and you can die when the sun comes up. Or you can put the ring on and keep fighting. 
it's your choice. So she gives him the ring and she starts to leave. She walks super, super slow. She's like, come on, Stephanie. She's like, <laughs> she's like, walking away. She's like, make the choice. aren't you going to stop me? Aren't you going to tell me to come back? I can give you a ride home, but like, yeah. you have to tell me if you want to ride. Just n- let me know if I should clear off my passenger seat. So he puts the ring on and he calls her name and they kiss. This scene does make even the most strident Delena shipper kind of see what people see in Stelena. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm kind of loving Stelena. I won't call myself a stan. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm not, but I was really liking it and I, it was making me happy. I think they're both helping each other grow a lot. I do think at the end of the day, they're helping each other grow and they're going to get to a point where they don't need each other anymore. Yeah, I think Stefan needs someone to prove that he's worthy of love. And Elena, well, Elena's pretty good right now, but <laughs> Elena's kind of set. <laughs> She's kind of fixing him. I think she kind of likes to have someone to fix. She has to learn how to not fix every single thing. That's what I think she's going to learn from Stephen. Well, I think Elena needed some kind of purpose in her life because she felt very hopeless when her parents died mm-hmm. and she felt very directionless. And I think Stefan is the personification of her helping people. And what she wants to do is to take the suffering away from people that she experienced. She doesn't want anyone to have to go through that. She's looking for a purpose in life and fighting vampires and helping her friends is a really good purpose to have. Well, it builds her character too and builds her strength. I think she... She wants to be brave. Likes feeling powerful and brave and like, and that she's capable of protecting people. Well, it makes her feel useful and it makes her feel like, because she probably felt completely useless when she got saved from that crash and her parents didn't. And there was nothing she could do to save them. And so I think she wants to feel like she can save people because then that means that she stayed alive for something. And also that like, if she's in that situation again, God forbid, that she can have a different outcome, you know? Yeah. But anyway, so it's a very sweet Stelena moment. <laughs> and then we go to a less sweet moment. Really rough moment. Pearl is packing up the tomb house. They've got their bags packed and Harper has his bags packed too. And Pearl's like, you know, you don't have to come with us. And he's like, this place was never my home. You gave me a family. I'm coming with you. And Pearl starts to take the bags out to presumably the car. And she gets shot with a stake and dies. Like suddenly. It's fast. It, it feels like, oh, this can't be. Yeah, you hear a whoosh. And you're like, no. And then you see the stake and she turns gray. It's all within like five seconds. It's fucked up. I literally wrote in my notes, Pearl with so many exclamation points, but I was too angry to even complete the exclamation points. They look like colons. <laughs> I couldn't even I couldn't even do it. Every time you truly love a character, they seem to die. It's a curse. Zach, Vicky, Lexi. I better stop talking up Damon so much. Damn. It really hurt. And this one hurt in a different way. With like Vicky, I started crying immediately. This I felt anger. It was mostly anger. And I did start tearing up later on, but I was just like pissed. She was going to get out. This is why these people, when they left the tomb, should have gone out of Mystic Falls immediately. What's the point of staying here? Pearl was pretty good at not getting too stuck on revenge, but she wanted that apothecary too bad. Yeah. Pearl's undoing was wanting the apothecary and wanting revenge on the Gilberts. So then we go back to the Salvatore house. Damon is sitting by the fire and Elena and Stefan get home. And Elena leaves so that Stefan and Damon can talk to each other. And Stefan says, like, thank you. And Damon basically says, you know, everything on this planet is not your fault. 
I own my own actions and my own mistakes. Yeah, he's like, you're not responsible for anything I do. Even though Damon says it kind of snarkily, it's clearly, it's exactly what Stefan needs to hear right now. Yeah, it is. He's carrying in his way and being like, giving Stefan the exact words that he needs to kind of move on and like try to let go of this. But Stefan's still a little closed off to Damon because they've had a long history. And Stefan's like, do you feel guilt? And Damon's like, I have the ability to or something. He says, if I wanted to, it's there or something. I read that almost as like, I could turn it back on if I wanted to. But I think it, I do believe that he like does feel guilt and does feel like everything. Do you think Damon's flipped the switch on his humanity? Or do you think he's feeling human emotions? I do not. I think he feels human emotions. I think he just has a different relationship with what his choices mean than what Stefan does. He doesn't take every choice as like this life-altering, world-changing decision. Well, it doesn't affect him in the same way. And you see that even as a human, Damon kind of saw his choices as his own and he saw them as they affect him more than they affect other people. So he doesn't have that same like empathy to a fault that Stefan has he could like have that same kind of blame on Stefan for training him, but he's like, no, like I'm not mad about that. That's what happened. And now that this is how we are. Well, at the end of the day, Damon, I think he would have never admitted this to Stefan at the time, but he was thankful to Stefan. I think because after he turned, Emily told Damon that she was able to save Catherine and that she didn't want to tell him that because she didn't want it to influence his decision. If he had known that he obviously would have turned And so I think he is a little bit thankful that he didn't die without knowing that. And Stefan's like, yeah, Emily didn't want either of us to turn. And Damon says, witches, judgy little things. And they sure are. Hello, love them. (laughs) But we love them anyway. And Stefan says like, oh, you didn't tell me that Emily was able to protect Catherine. And Damon said, I didn't want you to know because I hated you and I still do. And Damon basically says to him, like, I didn't hate you because you forced me to turn. I hated you because you turned. Catherine told me it was just going to be me, which is not Stefan's fault. It's Catherine's. But who else is he going to take it out on but Stefan? Yeah, Stefan is the one who's there. He's an easy punching bag. And then Stefan made him turn. It was just easy. All things were lined up for Damon to just be super mad at Stefan. Well, yeah, and he was sorting out all this drama that went on with Catherine and how it all went and... Stefan was just there, this constant reminder of like, did Catherine actually love me? Yeah. Damon was so excited for this part of his life. And then Catherine died and Stefan was there. And Damon's like, this is like nothing went well. Like I wasn't as special to her as she was to me. That has to hurt. So we go over to the tomb house where Anna comes home, you know, ready to leave town. But she finds Pearl and I think Harper dead. I think Harper is dead in the background, too. Yeah, Harper's definitely dead. Anna, of course, is very sad because she spent her whole life since 1864 trying to get her mom back. And she had her back for such a small amount of time. And then she comes back and finds her dead and she just like sobs. It's very, very sad. And this is when I started crying because Anna is just like, she's been disagreeing with her mom, but like she's her mom and she's wanted to stick with her. Like she chose her mom at the end of the day. And now she has to build this life without her. Like it's not a choice anymore. Yeah. It's very sad. It just breaks my heart. And then we see in the woods a stake gun being thrown into the trunk of a car. And we find out, we get it confirmed that John Gilbert is the one who killed Pearl. Were you, I mean, did you think that before we saw it was John? I assumed it was John. I was worried when we were seeing who it was. I was like, please don't let this fucking be a lurk. That would have killed me. So I was kind of happy that it was John. Because you already hate him. 
But oh my God, I was fucking pissed. I was like, you really killed her because that conversation didn't go the way you wanted, you piece of shit. John Gilbert can choke. Yeah. And he calls the sheriff. He's like, hey, sheriff, I have an update about the vampires. And I like to think the sheriff was like, you have to leave a voicemail, bitch. I'm not talking to you. He wants to be a hero so fucking bad. John Gilbert remains trash, just like we thought he was. I'm so mad at him. So then we go over to the grill where Alaric is getting drunk after having a nervous breakdown with Damon and killing a vampire. And a woman says, hey, Rick. And we turn and who is it but Miss Isabel? And you can tell when as soon as she says hello, Alaric pauses and you can tell he knows it's fucking. Yeah, Alaric was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me, dude. And this is typical, like these ladies that she was like, okay, Alaric's ready to stop looking for me. Time to show the fuck up. That's my cue, baby. So now is a good time to talk. Why do you think Isabel came to Mystic Falls? She definitely doesn't want a relationship with her daughter. That's not it. I think part of it is probably keeping Alaric under her thumb. She likes the idea that she has that. Sure. And maybe there's some sort of plan John has that she's, you know, playing a role in here. Well, we know that John's looking for the invention and that he and Isabel share a mutual interest and that he's working with her. So it stands to reason that she's aware of the invention. So I I think she's mostly just here to help out John. And like, there has to be that kind of reason, because if I'm a vampire, I'm not coming to a town where everyone knows vampires exist. And where my birth daughter is being real dramatic. There's a lot of messiness. Do you think Isabel's gonna talk to Elena while she's here? You think she's gonna try to avoid her? I think she's going to try to avoid her. You think that's possible? Uh, Well, I mean, I think it's going to be hard considering she's probably going to want to go see her buddy, John, who, you know, lives with Helena. Yeah. Who I am considering their daughter for now until I am explicitly told otherwise. You think whatever she's doing in town has to do with John? And do you think John's expecting her in town? I think he probably expected her to show up. Or like if he didn't, I don't think it'll bother him that she's here. I do think there's a chance, you know, they're in cahoots. But I think there's a chance that she has some extra ulterior motives that John doesn't know about. But that's the end of the episode. We have two episodes left of season one. Oh my gosh. It's so soon. It's crazy. I know a lot's going to happen in these next few episodes. We'll see if we find out John and Isabel's plan, how that affects everyone in town or doesn't. We'll see how it all goes. Founder's Day is coming so close. They couldn't even let Pearl last to the season finale. We only have two more episodes. That's fucking rude. Not on this show. On this show, people die all the time, baby. Julie Pleck, why do you hurt me? Here's a question. Do you think we've seen the last of Pearl? You think we're going to see Pearl again? Oh, it's, it's the last of Pearl. She's out. Bitch was gray. It pains me to say it, but she's not coming back. That's this episode. We'll be back next week to barrel towards Founders Day and see what's up with the gang in Mystic Falls. Until then, you can tell all your friends who like the Vampire Diaries or who you think might like the Vampire Diaries to watch this podcast. It's a great show and you want to really spread the joy. And another great way to show your love and spread your joy is to rate five stars and write a review on Apple Podcasts. And also follow along with us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. So for now, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.